Good morning, Creekside Church. My name is Nathan. I have the blessing of being one of the pastors here. And something you will know about our church is we seek to be a family. We celebrate the highs and we celebrate the lows. And my personal family has had reason to celebrate over the last month. Well, thank you. And even more, I had the blessing of being home to celebrate with my family for, I mean, four weeks. And it was absolutely amazing. It's been a couple weeks since I've been up here and able to look at you all. And I would pick going home still to be with my family. Just going to be honest. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm not kidding, actually. But I love you guys. And I did miss you. I just love my family so much. And it's been pretty insane going from three to four. Honestly, I mean, going from one kid getting all the attention to going, wait, we're supposed to split the attention to two now. I don't know how parents of more than two do it, but don't ask me now that we had this kid if I'm going to have more. I don't know, okay? So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but like I said, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been up here, and I've really missed you guys as a family. I've missed being here. Oh, we're not supposed to throw it up yet. Come on, guys. What are you doing? Build anticipation. No, uh, honestly, if you guys want to know the birth story, don't ask me. Um, but if you want to chat and hear how I'm doing, how our family's doing, feel free to come up after service. I'd love to hear also how you're doing. And even though they already showed you the video and I was going to do a little bit about how to, or not video, photos of how we got there, let's just throw the photos up, I guess. So here we go. You guys were all waiting for this right here. Yes, Oliver is in the beanie. His name's Oliver, baby Ollie. And our two-year-old Sammy absolutely adores Ollie. I mean, absolutely adores him. A little bit too much. This is a good photo because usually Sam's like, oh, there's Oliver. I'm just going to lay on top of him. And it's like, no, don't. He's a baby, right? But honestly, it is really cool just to see the two interact with one another and to recognize that, you know, the lack of sleep in a season is okay. But each of us, Heidi, Sam, and I, have learned to and had to learn how to share our time, our bodies, our sleep, and definitely our mental capacity with a new addition. And I'm going to be honest, I love my kids. Little babies are sometimes super cute, but they drain you. You are completely exhausted at the end of the day. And then you're like, cool, we get to sleep maybe for two hours. It's crazy. And yet you love that little thing so much. And I don't know about you, but any time that I feel stretched thin and I'm very sleep, those are reasons that lead me to become anxious more. I get anxious easily or, you know, like it can lead to anger or just being easily agitated at the simplest of things. I know I'm not alone in this and many of us feel this way when we're stretched thin, when we're losing sleep. But usually we feel this way when life hits us with a transition. And the hard part about transitions is they can lead us to anxiety or they can lead us to trust. And sometimes our anxiety are that pathway to lead us to trust God even more. 
I know for me, when I feel anxious and when I'm facing something that is very difficult and I get in my own head, I feel like God is asking me, Nathan, do you trust me? I feel like he's really sitting there going, listen, you can't control this on your own. Stop trying. That's why you are anxious. Will you trust me? A couple months ago, I had the blessing to go on this thing called a baby moon. If you don't know what a baby moon is, it's what parents take before a baby gets here, like a little vacation, to get rest. Really, it's just to go on vacation, but we call it a baby moon. And it was honestly really fun, but as we headed into this vacation, I had this thought in the back of my mind that this is the last vacation I will have with just Heidi and Sam. So in my mind, I was like, everything has to be perfect. Everything. On vacation, I was stressing the entire time because I was just thinking about how everything had to be perfect. If something didn't go so well or like being in Apple Hill, we had a weird uh, conversation with an owner of something and it did not go well. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm a terrible father. Like all these things like running through my head because everything wasn't perfect. And the hard part about that is that it kind of led to a panic attack while I was on vacation. I was overthinking so much stuff, and it was making it hard to be present with my family, the whole point of the vacation. But luckily, when we feel these things and we are in these moments, God doesn't leave us there. He always provides a way out. As we constantly see throughout scripture from the beginning of the pages to the very end is a call to not be afraid, but instead be strong and courageous. And during this vacation, I just happened to be reading the book of Exodus, and I just happened to fall upon Exodus 14. And verses 13 through 14, I want to share them with you. says this, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. What a last line. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent silent. I love what Moses is saying here in this passage of scripture. We don't have to be afraid of the storms that we face, the hardships that we face, the anxieties that we face, because we can trust God. We can trust the God that led the Israelites out of Egypt as the God that is leading our lives. We can trust that just as he says countless times in the Old Testament, be strong and courageous, we can face life storms being strong and courageous. The salvation of our Lord is for us. He is working for us. But do we believe that the God that created the entire universe is actually fighting for us? Do we believe that the God we read about in the Bible is the God that walks with us in our storms that we are facing today? Because when you are in a storm or you lack sleep, it can be hard to trust that God is actually fighting for you. 
And it can be hard to approach God in a humble, truthful way that says, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. I need you. Can we trust God in the midst of a mental, physical, and spiritual storm? I want you to think about that question. Can we trust God in the midst of a mental, physical, and spiritual storm? Think about this question as we head into our passage this morning. We're going to be looking in the book of Mark at chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to look at Mark 4, 35 through 41. It says this. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Lord, as we dissect this section of Scripture, I pray that the reality of what these words say would transform our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Help us recognize that the God of the Old Testament that calls us to be strong and courageous is exactly the same God of the New Testament, telling us to come and lay our burdens down, to seek rest, to be calmed and be in peace. Lord, may we recognize that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. As you have noticed in this series, the book of Mark, Mark loves to go at things immediately. In fact, most sections begin with immediately they did this, immediately this happened, and then immediately this changed, and blah, 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 blah. But this section of scripture does something different. It doesn't say something immediately happened. It doesn't transition to something big. Instead, it brings up the day, the time of day. There are key details in this that why, why is there a recognition that there were other boats with them? All of these details are so important to understanding the gravity and the importance of this section of Scripture. So let's first look at verse 35. Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. Notice that Jesus did not say, hey, let's get on this boat and like, let's go to the middle of the sea and when the storm comes, we're going to die. That is not what Jesus said at all. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And this is important to note because at this point in Jesus' ministry, the disciples and other people that followed him would have recognized that what he said would happen. When Jesus would say something, demons would be cast out of people. 
Jesus healed the sick and the paralyzed. Jesus was a man of his word. When Jesus said something, it happened. Jesus at this point had established the fact that he was a man of his word, that he was trustworthy. And this is why people wanted to follow him. It's why Mark mentions that there were other boats that followed him. Now, the body of water that they're talking about in this section is the Sea of Galilee. It's the exact same sea that Jesus met some of his disciples and called them to follow him. Which means that the disciples that are freaking out in this story spent a lot of time on that sea. They would have seen storms. They would have known their way around a boat. They would have fished these grounds so many times in their lives, and yet they were terrified. The disciples were so terrified that we see that they thought they were going to die. We see that the wind was going so crazy and the boat was filling up with water. And remember, it's not just their boat that was having this happen. There were multiple boats on the sea in this moment, and all of these boats were experiencing the same storm. And where is Jesus in the midst of this storm? Well, one, he's in the boat with them. He is with them. But he is asleep. Now, I don't know what it's like to be a deep sleeper. I wish I did. But how is it that Jesus was sleeping as the boat was rocking, and also it says the boat was filling with water? That has to mean that Jesus got splashed in the face a couple of times. Can you imagine being that deep in a sleep that even water doesn't wake you up? But Jesus, in the midst of the storm, was at peace. On the other hand, the disciples thought they were going to die. Can you imagine this scene on the boat for a second? Like Jesus just, and the disciples probably running around trying to save the boat, make sure they don't die. This is the scene that we see. And then Jesus, once he's woken up by the disciples, I just imagine him like waking up, calmly walking out, rebuking the wind, sitting there and saying, peace be still, and everything calms down. Everything. And then he just turns and nonchalantly says to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, the interesting thing is the disciples don't respond to Jesus's question because they're in shock. What they just saw is a man calm a massive storm. This is the scene that we come across today. And what we will see that even in the midst of our own storms, we can approach Jesus and we can trust what he says. Because at the beginning of this section of scripture, and it seems like a throwaway line, what Jesus says, but it's not. Jesus at the beginning of this section of scripture says, let us go across to the other side. Once again, he did not say, let's die in the midst of the storm. No, at this point in his ministry, the disciples should have trusted Jesus. Yet there was something so crazy 
and scary about this storm that they were facing that made them not trust what Jesus said. And I know that some of us in this room can relate to that. The disciples were facing a storm. And even though some of them were experienced fishermen, they were terrified. This was not an overreaction by them. They would have known what was going on. They literally thought they were going to die. In my research this week, I found out that the Sea of Galilee, that looks beautiful, is surrounded by mountains. And what this means for this body of water is that when the winds on the other side of the mountains are raging and they go over the mountain, it sits on the sea. Which means that the sea can get violent winds, scary waves, water just coming up everywhere very quickly. But remember, these were experienced fishermen. So it must have been a very chaotic storm. But there's another reason that they could have been scared. Because people in this day believed that demons could work in nature. The disciples could have believed that demons were causing this storm. They had the Messiah in their boat. The Son of God in their boat. How could the disciples not think this was a spiritual attack? I think either way, it really works with this section of scripture. Whether it was a spiritual attack or they were just really scared of the physical nature of this storm. But what we recognize is that they end up approaching Jesus. But notice how they approached him. They did not come trusting Jesus. They did not come humbly to Jesus and say, Jesus, we're caught in the midst of the storm. We need your help. We know by you just speaking a word, everything can be calmed. No, instead they came questioning and fearful to him. Now, don't get this wrong. The right thing to do is always approach Jesus, even if you're scared, even if you're questioning him, even if you're angry with God. But our approach in a storm matters. Are we going to trust what Jesus says? Are we going to humbly ask for help? Are we going to be okay if there is no answer? Luckily for the disciples, Jesus does respond to them. In just a few words, he calms the storm. But also in these few words, Jesus shows them who he really is. In just a few words, Jesus shocks the disciples because the disciples did not truly understand who Jesus was. They lacked understanding. When Jesus rebuked the disciples, when he said, why are you so afraid? You have, or have you still no faith? These questions aren't because they approached him and woke him up. They're not. No, these questions are because they did not trust him or who he was. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He knew that they would make it to the other side, but the disciples lacked trust. Many times in our lives, we get fixated on the storms that are right in front of us, and we don't even take it to God. We think we can handle everything on our own. And speaking from experience, 
usually it doesn't go well. Here the disciples at least knew they had to approach Jesus. When we face our storms, are we willing to come to Jesus? Will we be accusatory or angry with him or will we come humbly and ready to hear what Jesus has for us? The disciples got a real treat this day because they were able to see who Jesus really was. But they were also able to see that Jesus is peace in the midst of a storm. It is why the disciples were in shock and wondered, who is this man? Because by Jesus calming everything, Jesus showed that even the power of nature listens to his voice. It showed his disciples and all the other boats that were present that Jesus is who he said he is. That Jesus is the savior of the world. It showed that even in the midst of a storm, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we looked at this section of scripture literally for what it says, it is honestly crazy to think about. Jesus, the Messiah, was able to calm a storm. And not just any storm, but a storm that made fishermen, experienced fishermen, terrified. Terrified. Jesus was able to calm this storm. He calmed the physical reality of nature. Jesus did something that only God could do. He changed the weather in a blink of an eye. This storm is just another example of how Jesus really is God. That even nature bows to his commands. Jesus brings peace in the midst of a storm. And this is a key concept to our Christian walk to our walk with Jesus. The early church would actually dictate, or not dictate, but do paintings like this on the right, where we see a storm going on in the background, and yet the men in that boat are at peace because Jesus is with them. That even in the midst of a storm, they know that they can trust what Jesus says. They can trust that Jesus is with them. Now, I don't really think that photo is super accurate to what happened on the boat that day, Because the storm is still going on. Which means that the other boats with them are still caught in a storm. I think when Jesus calmed the storm, every boat was wondering what just happened. I think every person that was there on the sea was questioning, who is this man that when he speaks, nature listens? Look at the contrast of these two photos. A boat that looks like it might flip versus a boat that is very calm. If we just look at this story for what it literally says, we get to see that Jesus is God. We get to see that the disciples of Jesus, those that followed Jesus, can approach Jesus. We see that Jesus responds to the men that follow him, that Jesus responds to the people that approach him and ask for help. But if we look at this story symbolically, it hits us all differently. In the midst of a life storm, will we choose faith or will we choose fear? 
Because often in my own life, when I look back at some decisions I made, I recognize that it's fear that makes my decisions not faith. But the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, is available for us in the midst of our storm. We don't have to choose fear when a storm hits us or aggravates us or when we have panic attacks. We can choose to have faith and approach the Prince of Peace who is available to all of us. William Barclay, a Scottish New Testament interpreter, says this about this section of scripture. He says, if we read it in a symbolic sense, it is far more valuable. When the disciples realized the presence of Jesus was with them, the storm became calm. Once they knew he was there, fearless peace entered their hearts. To voyage with Jesus was to voyage in peace even in the storm. And in the presence of Jesus, we can have peace even in the wildest storms of life. The truth is, no matter how blessed your life may be, you will come upon a storm. No matter how great things may be, a storm will hit you and rock you. I don't think they would have got on the sea if the storm was already happening. When they got on the sea, the waters were ready to go. They were ready to sail across. The storm hits even when we think everything is okay. But what will we do when the storm hits us? Will we trust what Jesus says? Will we cry out to him? Will we approach him? Will we trust even if he remains silent? These are the questions that we can ask ourselves when we think symbolically about this section of scripture. They're the questions I ask when I look at this section of scripture. I also see three realities that we all must face. The first is this. We will face a storm. And some of you in this room are facing a storm that you think will never end, that you feel you have no escape from, that you feel might kill you. Maybe it's an addiction or divorce or financial hardship or literally lack of sleep. Maybe it's the fact that you are dying. Know this, that even in the midst of your storm, God is with you. That God's character does not change. That God sees you. That God loves you. That God is with you in those moments. The hardest moments of your life, God is with you. Whether you think he's there or not, God is with you. He's present with you. He's looking at you and saying, you are my beloved child. And I know it's hard to believe that. But don't interpret God's character based on your storm. Instead, let God's love shine through your storm. You can trust him in the midst of your hardship. You can trust God and you can approach him. What would it look like if you recognize that God loves you and God is fighting for you? 
Now, it may not end the way you want it to. You might not get what you want, but God is fighting for you. You only have to approach him and trust him. Which leads me to reality number two. We can approach Jesus. The disciples in this story were able to approach Jesus, and in my opinion, it's not the approach that made Jesus get upset with them. It's how they approached him. They came accusing him, wondering if he was going to save them, and saying, are you going to let us die? And even with them coming that way to Jesus, Jesus still calms the storm. He still meets their request. He still hears them and he responds. Recognize this, that when you approach God, he hears you, he hears your voice. He may not respond the way you want, but he does hear you. And based on this section of scripture, we might even be shocked by what God does for us because the disciples were truly shocked by what they see. How long, though, will it take us to take our struggles, our problems, our fears, our insecurities, our sin to the feet of Jesus? How long will it take us to approach him and say, I need help with these things? How long will it take us to approach the Prince of Peace? And when we do approach him, how will we approach him? Will we approach him and say, why are you doing this to me? Why are you causing me to go through this struggle? Why did you make me be born the way I'm born? Why do I struggle mentally with these different things? Or are we coming to Jesus and saying, I may not understand why this has happened. I may not understand why these hardships are happening. I may not understand why this happened or that this person is struggling with this, but God, I will trust you in the midst of it. I need your guidance. I need your help. I don't have the strength to continue to do this anymore. I need you. What if our storms and how we approach God looked a little bit more like that? A humble approach and an admission that we need help. An admission that we are not in control, we are not the creator of the universe. No, but we need the creator of the universe to step in and help us. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that even if we blame him, even if we come accusing him, he still hears our prayers and he still responds. But are we willing to trust him? Because the third reality I see from this section of scripture is we can trust Jesus. And I know this seems a little cheesy to have as a point in a sermon, like, <laughs> duh, Nathan. But I want to ask you this question to think about with this section of Scripture. Would the disciples have made it to the other side of the sea if they didn't wake up Jesus? Would they? What if it was an exercise of trust where they said, you know what? Jesus is sleeping and he's at peace. We're going to be at peace in this moment. Would they have made it to the other side? I could see the other side of the argument going, well, actually, 
it was an exercise of trust for them just to approach Jesus. Well, I do agree that it was an exercise of trust. And they were able to see this amazing miracle take place, and we are able to read about it years later. But I personally think that Jesus said at the very beginning, let us go across to the other side. Jesus knew that they would make it to the other side. In many of our storms in life, we come to a point where we're focusing more on the storm than we're trusting Jesus. And I know, like I've already said, in those moments for me is when I feel God nudging me and saying, Nathan, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Because there are storms in our lives that we are trying to face with our own strength and our own control, but we are not the savior of the universe. You and I are not that. There is only one prince of peace, and it's not us. And thank God it's not us. We have to learn to let go of control. We have to learn that in the midst of the storm, we can give everything to Jesus and say, I need your help. I need you. Here's my struggles. Here's my anxieties. Here's my divorce. Here's the sickness that I've had for years that I don't think will ever go away. Here is everything, God. Help me. Your life circumstances may not change. You may still be facing that divorce, the addiction, the bills. But are our eyes fixated on Jesus? Because I believe if we're willing to approach him and trust him, our life circumstances may not change. But the Prince of Peace will be with us. But we all have to answer the question, do we actually trust Jesus? Don't let fear keep you from the Prince of Peace. Will you trust Jesus in the midst of your storm? Because you will face a storm. There will be something that happens that you did not expect, that you don't see coming. Will you try to grasp for control? Or will you approach Jesus and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing at all. I need your help. Help me. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would be able to answer this question, yes. I pray that we would get to a point where we trust you even in the craziest of storms, that we can trust even if our circumstances don't change, even if you are silent in the moment, we can trust that you are a God that loves us so much that you are present with us. Lord, may we recognize that perfect love casts out fear. And Jesus Christ is that perfect love. So Lord, I pray that we would recognize that the God of peace, the God of mercy, the God of love loves us so much that he would not leave us in the storm by ourselves. Instead, he enters the boat and he loves us. I pray that we would trust you in the midst of our storms. Amen.